This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris is out tonight. He'll be back tomorrow. Um, but I wanted to start off the show uh, with, um, we got two great guests in today. Uh, we have uh, a Attorney General uh, candidate, Republican, Jay McMahon. He, he's going to be joining me at 8. But at 7 uh, right now, you know, we've been following sixty the 62F tax refund law. We had Chairman Rodericks in a few weeks ago to talk about it and how it's going to affect the economic development bill. And there's been a new proposal on how to reform the 62F law. And to talk about that, we have the author of that proposal, uh, uh, Representative from Cambridge, uh, Mike Conley. Hi, Rip Conley. How are you? Doing well. Good evening. How's it going? Good. Thanks for joining me tonight. So we're joined by Representative Conley. He's uh, he is uh, from Cambridge. He represents Cambridge and Somerville on uh, on Beacon Hill. So there's a lot of talk about the 62F. This recently um, rediscovered uh, law. It's the second time in its 35 year history that it's been uh, that it's been triggered and. Um, you know, for people who don't know, can can you explain to uh, to the audience what 62F is and what it does? Sure, yeah, happy to do so, and and thank you for having me on the program, Marcus. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about it, uh, even from up here in Cambridge. Oh, I appreciate and that. Absolutely, and uh, 62F, uh, as your listeners may have heard was a voter-initiated law that passed very narrowly back in 1986. And ostensibly, uh, it's known as a tax cap law. It sets a limit on the amount of state revenue that can be collected, and it says that if that limit is exceeded, then uh, a certain percentage of money is returned to income taxpayers. So that's the basics, and you know most people uh, who have been following the news uh, probably have heard something about it. But there are, and I'd love to get into it with you here. There are a lot of details that are actually very problematic, and when you understand them, I think people might have a better appreciation uh, for why myself and others um, have been raising a lot of questions about this law. Sure, let's talk through some of the details uh, that are problematic. Sure. So, you know, the starting point is that 62F sets a revenue growth limit uh, exclusively by considering wage and salary information over a three-year period. Uh, And that's the only information that is used to determine what the complete limit will be on all state revenues from all sources. And, you know, what's interesting about that, there are a number of interesting things. Uh, First of all, that ignores how wealthy people actually make most of their money. You know, the wealthiest of the wealthy, true multimillionaires or even billionaires, you know, tend to earn their money not in wages or in salary, 
But in things like capital gains investments and non-withheld types of income, uh, such as income that might occur through a pass-through business entity and the like, and the formula that sets the revenue limit doesn't consider any of that. So one of the oddities of this law being triggered is it's actually, in, in one sense, truly a product of the fact that the very wealthiest among us actually did better than ever during the pandemic. And, you know, we've seen that, that the richest of the rich uh, have actually seen their share of income and their share of wealth and their investment holdings over the last several years do better. None of that is accounted for on the revenue limit side, but that does trigger the revenue limit when all of that capital gains income is coming into the state. And we've been seeing month after month with blockbuster capital gains uh, return. So that's one piece. Uh, and bear with me here because there's probably three major issues with how this works. That's one. Sure. The next one has to do with how poor people, lower income people, uh, the working poor, seniors on fixed incomes, um, the, the real working class, how we pay a lot of our taxes. And the, and the poorest of the poor, you know, if you're earning $25,000 a year, let's say, or less, you generally don't pay any income tax. But the tax that you are now being crushed on, and I know this won't be a surprise for any of your listeners, are things like gas taxes and things like sales taxes. And so with inflation and with the energy crisis that's been ongoing, we have seen our sales tax and our gas tax numbers go through the roof. And of course, for lower income folks, those are the kinds of taxes that are in particularly are consuming your available resources, none of that information, none of those factors is involved in setting that revenue growth limit. Uh, then there's uh, another item which has to do with, and this is, if you thought what I've said so far is wonky, uh, it's going to get even more wonky. So there's another big discrepancy, and this might actually be if there's just one thing you remember from this little lesson here and how the law works. This is one of the biggest discrepancies of all. It's almost unbelievable. So uh, about four, five years ago, Congress passed, the Republican Congress with Trump as president, passed the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Right. And, you know, I'll give you my opinion of it. It gave so much away to the wealthiest of the wealthy and to the large corporations that the Republicans who were in charge at the time, they did something uh, that, you know, frankly, I found almost ironic. They reached a point where this tax cut package was such a huge giveaway and was draining so much money from the federal government that the Republicans actually said, we have to do something to rein this in. We have to make these numbers a little less egregious. And so they did something that really wasn't a very Republican thing, but they wanted to make this you know, tax package work. And what they did was they placed a cap on a state and local uh, tax deduction that's been a popular program on the federal level. Right. And they capped, you know, this is called the SALT deduction. Yes. They capped that at $10,000. Um, 
Then, subsequent to that, as that was starting to come into effect, we in the legislature started hearing, in particular from business owners, uh, from small business owners, from different proprietors, for people who would obtain their income that passes through a business entity and then comes through the business and then comes into them as personal income, we heard from a lot of these folks who said, gee, this new federal tax provision, default limitation, is really killing us, and it's really messing up our books. And the legislature was asked to come up with a workaround. And so the way the workaround works is that a good chunk of this income shows up on the current year's balance sheet, and these owners of the pass-through business entities pay a certain tax on that income now, and the state issues a future tax credit to be used in a subsequent tax year that can be applied against that tax payment that happened this year. And so here again, this was another reason why tax revenues were surging this year because, you know, certain tax payments that may not, this is actually the first year that this entire scheme of doing the workaround for the pass-through business entities. This most recent tax year was the first year that that scheme uh, has been up and running and this led to a lot of sort of forward tax payments that are actually subject to a tax credit for that payment in the future year. And I'll say that you can look it up. When Auditor Suzanne Bump certified last month that we had triggered the 62F law and that there was a $2.94 billion excess, she said right in her letter, she said, I want the legislature and the public to understand that 2.25 of that $2.94 billion that constitutes this excess revenue collection is actually revenue that will be subject to tax credits that the state will have to honor in a future year. And so, you know, I look at that and I say, that's just unbelievable, you know, because... You could, from an accounting perspective, just as easily said, well, let's not count this $2.25 billion. It's only a temporary accounting quirk. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, it was counted, and the auditor, to her credit, you know, put the legislature, did her best to put the public on notice of this factor. Uh, and then finally, you know, I've gone through now three major issues with how this revenue limit is set. And then the final one is just an anomaly because of the pandemic. You know, there had been so much federal aid flowing in. Uh, there had been so much, uh, you know, pandemic relief money, the ARPA funds, all of these funds in all different ways, either directly, indirectly from the federal government or from the feds through state and local government. All of these funds, thank goodness, you know, helped us keep some semblance of the economy going, none of that financial circumstance is considered or involved in setting this revenue growth limit. And so, you know, another way economists have looked at this and they've said, well, in many ways, you know, that revenue growth limit that's based exclusively on wage and salary info 
it may have been artificially depressed in many ways because you had all this influx of federal support, but all things being equal, wasn't you know necessarily uh, driving uh, the need to go out and work if you had you know different measures of support. So those are you know four major you know issues with how the uh, with how the revenue limit is set. And then the final thing I'll say, and then I'll stop my speech here and I'll take whatever further questions you have. The final piece I'll add is we have to also be clear about who's getting this money. You know, it's only going back to income tax payers. And so, again, if you are a senior on on a fixed income, if you are a low-wage worker, if you're working for minimum wage, if you're, you know, out of work, if you're on a disability, you know, chances are you're paying little or, you know, not much in income tax, but you have been getting crushed, again, by the gas tax and the sales tax. Yeah. You know, because gas is going up, sales are going up. The distribution formula ignores you. It only considers income tax payments as the basis for the return. And so this has been another big thing that I've been pointing out to say, this is just poorly designed, you know, because I think we should consider that people pay taxes in ways other than income tax. So I'll I'll give you a chance to do a little Sure, yeah, no, that was... I've been thinking about this for months, <laughs> yeah. so I have a lot to say. I know that was um, uh, th- those explanations were very robust. I wanted I want to go back to what you said about the two point five billion being tax credits. So that right. means uh, some industrious individual could uh, receive a sizable refund check from uh, from the uh, from the Commonwealth government and then uh, later claim that same amount of money as a tax credit is, is that is that correct more, more or less yes. yeah it, it, it may not be dollar for dollar the same but it would be yeah. um, you know the dollars might be a little different but conceptually that's precisely the thing and you know some people might call that double dipping I sure mean, or at the very least you could call that i would say a poor design yeah um and again to be clear none of that tax treatment even existed in 1986 so you know right. this was something that the law never contemplated yeah. that congress would limit the salt deduction yeah. and then the legislature would do a workaround to mitigate the salt deduction well, well well not to get partisan about it but considering this was the brainchild of of uh, citizens for limited taxation um i would probably posit that it was likely the goal um to save wealthier people more money um in taxes and return some of their uh, return the the little taxes that they have paid sure yeah i mean i certainly think you know uh, again, I don't think anyone could anticipate the uh, the salt deduction problem, mm-hmm. which again is just a giant right. problem. But to to the you know citizens for limited taxation, you know they've proudly championed 62F, and certainly I think there's a critique to be made again that it only considers income tax, so they are systematically excluding lower-income folks, working folks, people on the lowest of incomes by not considering the way those folks pay a lot of their income in other forms of taxes besides income tax. So uh, um, I also saw 
uh, an article you retweeted that basically said, um, what is it, 70% of the income is going to the top 30% earners. 70% of the 62F checks are going out to the top 30% income earners in the entire Commonwealth? Um, yeah, more or less, you know, so to, to understand it, uh, approximately 26% of income tax payments are made by individuals who earn a million dollars or more Okay, in Massachusetts. And, you know, inter- and again, income tax is not synonymous with wage and salary, Income tax also means capital gains, investment income, et cetera. And so that's why in this moment, and, you know, let's all be clear, we're living in unprecedented inequality. You know, you have to go, even in the Gilded Age that led to the Great Depression, I don't believe we had the profound level of inequality that we have today. There's no precedent uh, for the level of inequality that we have. And so as a result of Inequality being what it is, it just means that 26% of taxes uh, on, on the income uh, are paid by those with million-dollar incomes or above. Right. The way 62F is drafted is it using that formula that we described earlier, it comes up with a percentage excess amount. And so the current estimate, and this estimate has fluctuated a little bit, it still isn't final, um, the you know Department of Revenue is in the process of finalizing the number, but the most recent estimate you may have heard is 13 percent. Uh, so that means um, every income taxpayer is due a 13 percent credit on the amount of income tax that they paid in the 2021 tax year, and. That means that the average person with a million-dollar income, so if you're a millionaire or above in your annual income, you will see an average check of $22,000 from the state. And on the other hand, if you are in the bottom 20% of incomes in Massachusetts, if you're in the lowest, you know, fifth of income earners, uh, which is essentially, you know, I would describe that as the working poor, um, you will see a check of $9 on average. And so, you know, that has been a disparity. It's awful. The Boston Globe did a big editorial on Saturday, and frankly, I appreciated it because it essentially pointed out and agreed with everything I've been saying here for a couple of months. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's the disparity. And, you know, let's be clear, you know, and I want to be clear to everyone, You know, I'm not motivated by geeky, you know, arcane tax policy. You know, I'm not even... You you know, know, I was going to say, I I was, I always say I didn't go to law school to do math. You you did go to law school as well. Um, and you're, you're, you're doing math pretty well. I am. I appreciate, appreciate you walking me through it. So, um, yeah, well, I was just going to add, if if you don't mind, like, you know, at the end of the day, what's motivating me here is the recognition that so many of our residents are being crushed right now, right? Like we have been warned that energy prices could go up 60% or more this winter, you know? Mass Health, you know, put out a bulletin recently. They're going to be increasing prices 
um, in the seven to eight percent ballpark. Yeah, we know housing uh, has been an ongoing emergency all over the Commonwealth. I work with a lot of the legislators on the South Coast. I know it's no easier there than it is anywhere else. It's not, yeah. But really, you know, at the end of the day, why I have been, you know, sounding this alarm and advocating for this uh, legislation is because I just can't believe, you know, in big picture, there's, you know, a lot of concerns about recession. There's a lot of political uncertainty in Washington. You know, what happens if we hit a big recession this winter, if energy prices go through the roof, potentially Republicans may win a House of Congress then they're going to say, well, we don't want to do anything because we want Joe Biden to fail. So, you know, I'm saying to my colleagues on Beacon Hill, we have to be very thoughtful and very prudent with how we're spending our money because three or four months from now, we could have a lot of residents who are in a tough place and need support. Anyways, just wanted to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. So you proposed this uh, legislation and it puts uh, essentially a cap on what someone can receive well actually before we even get into that um you know i had i had um mike rodericks on uh two three weeks ago and he was saying he said that what what baker's doing what baker's even proposed on on how to how to disperse these 62f funds is he in his opinion legally um not allowed uh he said that um he said that it's the the statute is clear in that it's supposed to be a tax credit i'm curious to know your your opinion on whether or not baker is even appropriately sending out these checks or it should be counted as a tax credit on your next filing it's a it's a great point you know i i uh and this is something i've been very involved in uh studying and advocating around as well i didn't want to I didn't want to hit you with too many problems at once, so I'm glad <laughs> yeah, no, you fine. brought it up. Sure. But it's, you know, uh, Chairman Rodericks uh, is exactly right, and I've also spoken with, you know, experienced tax law attorneys who have shared a similar perspective. And so what it has to do with, in particular, is the nature of 62F is a voter-approved law, right? So it didn't originate from the legislature. And we have in Massachusetts a a constitutional principle that says only the legislature can appropriate funds. Um, And so that's, you know, that's just the structure of government. Um, And so in 1987, which was the first and only year that this law was triggered, uh, progressives, uh, I, I had heard Jim Browdy actually was involved. I can't confirm that, but back in his days as a uh, sort of a progressive attorney and and, and public advocate, I believe uh, advocates brought a case to the SJC where they actually challenged whether or not 62F was even constitutional. And the argument that was made in 1987 was that, you know, this looks a lot like an appropriation and under our constitutional framework, only the legislature can make an actual specific appropriation. And this was a case, actually, uh, it was called Tax Equity Alliance for Massachusetts versus the Commissioner of Revenue. And so what the SJC said, they essentially said, I'll paraphrase, you know, they said, 
it's a very interesting, you know, clever argument. However, what you've got wrong is that 62F is not an appropriation. It's explicitly a tax credit. And they said there's a difference between a tax credit, which essentially gives the taxpayer permission not to deliver money to the government versus a check, which looks a lot more like an appropriation. And so in 87, SJC said this law is fine precisely because it's a tax credit. And the way it worked in 87 was the law got triggered, and then after it was triggered in the fall, in the subsequent, because the law says you look at the previous tax year to determine a tax credit for the current tax year, and the current tax year is still ongoing. We're in tax year 2022 right now. So in 87, when the law was triggered, There were no refund checks. In fact, there's nothing in the law that talks about sending out a check in the middle of the tax year. It was simply handled the way any tax credit would be handled, which is when it comes time to fill out your tax form, there would be a line on the form where you could put down the appropriate number to correspond with the credit you're entitled to. And so that's the only way it has ever been done. Regulations have been on the book for decades that spelled this process out. And what's happening right now is Governor Baker has announced unilaterally with no legal basis, essentially, that he will be issuing these tax credits in the form of an advanced tax refund check. Right. And what do you know? Coincidentally, you know, a lot of the uh, rumors are is that the checks may be coincided to arrive just before Election Day. Um, Baker hasn't, you know, uh, confirmed or denied that, but, you know, it's all very interesting. And, you know, the point I've made to the legislature is from an institutional perspective and from a constitutional perspective, you know, we ought to be serious about following the rule of law. And, you know, this ought to raise some questions and the fact that it's, you know, coinciding with an election, um, is a whole other layer of concern. But that that is how that whole thing works, and certainly, um, you know, I think it's it's very troubling that that's how it's being done. So, um, Rep. Conley, your proposal to reform it—it's um, basically saying that the so recognizing, um, like you said, that uh, you're 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 taking the position that it's it's supposed to be a refund, uh, uh, not a refund, but a um, but a uh, a tax credit. What does your um, proposed law do to reform 62F? Sure. Well, thank you for uh, for the opportunity to talk about it again. Um, sure. So it does two things. My proposal does two things. And let me back up a little bit. Like, when I talk to my constituents in Cambridge and Somerville about 62F, honestly, what many of them say, and of course, I'm proud and grateful to represent a very progressive community, Um, So we are as blue as blue can be um, in Cambridge. Many of my constituents say, I don't even want this refund. Like, what I would like is the MBTA to not catch on fire. (laughs) What I would like is to invest money so that homeless people can have a roof over their head. What I would like is, you know, more support for child care, more support for senior housing. You know, these are the crushing issues 
that are making it so hard for working people in Massachusetts to get ahead or to stay afloat. So frankly, in our community, many people say, don't even give me the refund, do something good with it. That being the case, I recognize, you know, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is much broader and more, you know, politically diverse than our little uh, liberal bubble up here in Cambridge. And so the approach my law takes, uh, my proposed law, it's very modest, and it actually sort of concedes and tries to work with the expectation that the governor has established. So the first thing it does is it actually authorizes the governor's scheme. And, you know, to be clear, I don't know that I would have come up with this scheme, but I do appreciate if you're a struggling middle-class person, working-class person, lower-income person, and you turned on the TV and you saw your governor tell you you're getting a check next month, I'm not going to be Scrooge and sit here and say, no, I want to take that away from you. Right. The law starts by just recognizing, all right, Baker created the expectation, let's, you know, under the rule of law, let's actually make that legal. And sort of in turn and sort of in, you know, consideration of us as a legislature going along with Baker's, you know, fly-by-night plan to issue (laughs) these checks, what my proposal would do is at the $1 million income level, uh, which is approximately, and again, the numbers are still, the final numbers are still shifting a little as the final estimates come in. Um, It would, at the $1 million level, the approximate expected return from 62F is $6,500. And so what my proposal would do is it would say at a million and above, it no longer goes up. It's going to be capped at 6500 so that the $1 million income earner gets 6500 a $5 million person gets 6500 the $500 million person gets 6500 And then that creates uh, a significant excess of hundreds of millions of dollars that would have gone to multimillionaires And the final thing my bill says is now take that excess pool of money and evenly redistribute it to the other 3.5, 3.6 million residents who are expecting to get some form of a check back next month. And so what that would do in practice is deliver uh, up to $200. I saw one estimate from Tufts. They analyzed it. They said it would be $170. Um, so in the range of 170 to perhaps as much as $200 extra above what would already be expected under the law would go to 99.4% of income taxpayers, um, and that's 3.5, 3.6 million people. And that's how I arrived at what I hope is a, a kind of catchy title. Um, I called the bill an act putting more money in more people's pockets, and I knew that if I tried to tinker with this, many people, you know, would see it and immediately just assume we're trying to take something away from you. So I want to, you know, really go out of my way to make it clear to anyone listening, if you didn't earn more than $1 million in income on your tax form in 2021, then the proposal I'm offering wants you to get more money and get more money faster and get more money legally 
And at the end of the day, I would argue, and, you know, I think the Globe and others agree, that's just better economic policy. Because yeah. for that lower-income person or that middle-income person, the extra 200 bucks, you know, could help defray a giant heating bill this winter. Yeah. Uh, it could help with, a, with an extra grocery bill. Um, and if that money, you know, goes to Bob Kraft or to some multimillionaire, you know, that's just going to add to their wealth. So that's the concept. So, uh, Rep. Conley, I, I appreciate you joining us this evening I, uh, and explaining, uh, you know, your issues with the 62F law and some of the history behind it and your proposal um, to improve uh, improve it for the sake of um, equity. Uh, before I let you go, um, I know Speaker Mariano uh, has said that it's not going to come out in, in while you guys are in informal sessions because you, you, you know you need a unanimous consent and all of that. Um, but uh, is there any is there any support behind the legislation in formal sessions in January? You know, I, I think it, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, and and I mean, I what I'm finding as you know, and as you can imagine, probably from this conversation, you know, I have been taking every opportunity just to share with people, you know, the details of what's going on. And what I'm finding is virtually everyone, when they hear all these different details, they say, this is ridiculous. You know, how is this happening? Why is this happening? So uh, certainly on the one hand, you know, I I appreciate uh, the speaker, you know, made it clear yesterday, you know, he's not intending to bring this up immediately nevertheless you know i think as more people hear about it um more people i think are going to want to reach a, a consensus way to resolve it let's remember you know in the and again this isn't just me talking this is the state auditor talking that whole pass-through business tax accommodation in response to the, the new federal salt limit that's this is the first year that's been fully in effect and what do you know this is the first year we triggered this law so presumably this law will be an ongoing uh thorn in our sides as we try to budget and 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 respond to the needs of the commonwealth unless it is reformed because presumably the same exact thing will happen again next year with the pass-through business income Rep. Conley, thank you for joining me uh, this evening, and I look forward to talking with you more as as you try to get this uh, legislation passed up on the Hill. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Marcus. Uh, it's my pleasure, and yeah, reach out anytime. Sounds good. Thank you. That was Rep. Mike Conley from uh, Cambridge. Um, that was his uh, law pro- proposed law um, to reform uh, 62F. I'm going to take a break, and then we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, that was uh, Mike Conley from Cambridge. 508 996 so I can get the program. Let's actually go to the phones. Good evening. Hey, Marcus. I think that was the, uh, that was a great coup you had there with that guy. That was the best interview I've heard. And the <laughs> Thank best, you. Ex, best explanation of a very complicated issue. Yeah. And he was able to bring it down to people like me to understand. Now, yeah, I, I totally agree with him when, when he starts mentioning the the people on the poor end of things. And I, I truly believe that somebody should be able to halt the governor from issuing these checks. And I don't know if he mentioned whether that could be done or not. 
and and go with what the 1987 Supreme Court said. Yeah. It's a tax credit. Right. And let people file it that way. Because the, the piece that got me was, you know, he, he was saying, out of this $2.9 billion, $2.2 billion, as the auditor said, is going to be claimed. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna that, be that to me is is incredible. I, yeah. I you know it's it, it's 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 a double dipping. So uh, essentially, you know, the Commonwealth lo- loses out like on five billion in, in tax revenue. It's it's really that's really incredible. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that, that, that's going to cause a lot a lot of problems. So yeah, I, you know, if you ever talk to that guy again, just tell him that the little guys out here that are paying taxes on our cigarettes and gasoline yeah. appreciate his effort. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that, that was wonderful. Yeah, no, I think he's. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's a good law as well. And and um, and I'm definitely going to have him on in the future because they're not going to get it. They're not going to get that if they were going to even try. They're not going to during this. They can't because it's informal sessions. So just for, so people know, while the while the House and Senate are in infor- informal sessions, literally one legislature can stop. Uh, can jam up an entire can jam up legislation by voting against it. They need unanimous consent, basically. Uh, to get anything passed, so um, that'll be a fight, I think, for for January. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking with him more about it as that as that um, uh, unfolds. Yeah, again, that was tremendous. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Tom. So, and we have a app chat from William saying uh, redistribution of wealth is expected. They didn't pay in. Look, the Commonwealth's going to lose it. Like I, you know, based on the fact that these people can claim. Uh, get a refund check and then claim a tax credit. First of all, like he said, is double dipping. The Commonwealth's going to lose out on five billion in tax revenue over a period of uh, of a few years, if that is true. And like, do you like roads? Right? Do you do you want roads? Do you want safer roads to drive on? Do you want better schools for your kids? I mean, that's that's what that's what's at stake. Really, I think for letting this, if you let this law continue, it's going to. It's not. It's not. It's a divestment from. It's a. It's a divestment from our schools, our roads, public infrastructure, um, a lot of the public amenities that not amenities, necessities that you enjoy, and not even enjoy that you need, for the sake of returning more money to Bob Craft, right? So. I mean, I guess pick your side. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm with the working people. Uh, I think that's. I think it's pretty clear that this legislation helps working people. Um, so, uh, but I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back. Fourteen twenty WBS. Yes, Marcus. Uh, hey, what's regarding up? the situation where taxes were over collected. I know that, uh, in fact, that the government can't do that. That's called an unfunded mandate. But what troubles me, Marcus, is that for some reason, the government, let's say the state, cannot tell those people who are collecting the taxes that we've reached the limit. You can stop collecting those taxes. Instead, they just keep collecting them for I don't know what reason. But, I mean, they just can't do it, Marcus. They they just can't. They just can't. What? They just can't collect Taxes? They just can't keep collecting more than what was required by the law. Let's say it was twenty-two billion dollars they needed. They can't collect twenty-six billion. Is that specifically because yeah, you because you know because because you, you know that states per the Constitution can't run a deficit, right? So correct. So but, right. 
So, they cannot overcollect because that's an unfunded mandate. So they can only People collect the paying. exact amount. Basically, that is correct. Yes. Uh, that, I think that would make the operations of of the Commonwealth untenable. Uh, honestly, if they if they didn't have a surplus, I, I mean that goes to a lot. They use the surplus for, I mean, infrastructure, education, etc. It's it's. I think it would be difficult. Like I said, untenable. Um, um, if they if they operated in that way, and I don't know where that's specifically delineated in the uh, state constitution or in state law. Well, it's on the constitution, but what what the constitution does not allow cannot be done. So they cannot quote over collect on the taxes. Because that's not allowed. If they call for twenty-two billion, that's all they can collect. Yeah, that's that's a very um, that's a very strict textualist interpretation of the oh, constitution. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, well, the frame is, <laughs> Marcus. The framers of this nation feared a government that was run that would run rampant. Don, Don I, I wish I had the time to um okay, to, dis- no, to, to discuss with you the, the nuances of, of textualism, but I do appreciate the call. I got to take this break. Thank you for calling. Okay. In. All right. Thanks. Yep. I got to take this break.